Vicki Vale. Bruce Wayne. And what do you do for a living? <laughs> Lieutenant, is there a six-foot bat in Gotham City? Nice outfit. God, all these trailers are just so bad. So I, I actually have a story about that trailer that we can get into. Okay. Well, I'm Kevin. I'm Jake. And this is Movie Matters. And today we're talking about the 1989 film Batman. Yeah. So I'll, we'll just jump right into the trailer. Uh, yeah. So, um, yes, it is fairly bad. <laughs> um, and the, the story behind it is pretty interesting. So, uh, this movie went through quite a development hell, um, starting like all the way back in like 1980, um, going through a bunch of different script revisions and concepts. And, um, when it finally landed, uh, with Warner brothers, um, and they started developing it, uh, and, you know, they wanted to cast Batman and they looked at all kinds of different actors to be Batman. Um, and Tim Burton ended up, uh, convincing, uh, the studio to allow him to work with Michael Keaton again, uh, who he had just finished working on Beetlejuice with. Um, and when it leaked, uh, people were pissed because uh, at the time Michael Keaton was seen as a comedy actor um, and comic book fans were not happy. Uh, they felt that it was going to be almost like a campy remake of the Adam West 1960s Batman TV show if Michael Keaton played Batman. Um, so in a panic, uh, one of the uh, producers rushed this trailer together for Christmas of 1988 and uh, tried to tack it onto as many different <laughs> uh, films as possible. Uh, and actually, they got uh, unbelievably good receptions where crowds were actually cheering in the theater when they saw the trailer. Um, but that's that's why there's like no music. There's like not not good like sound editing and stuff <laughs> like that because they just threw it together in like a week <laughs> and threw it out uh, to hit the Christmas season. So yeah, um, <laughs> I, I read about that too. I love that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so just just for your guys's knowledge, we usually try and find the original trailers for the movies. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, with the exception to last week's episode of The Shining, we did the parody trailer. But, but uh, yeah, we always try and find the original trailer, you know, what, what the audience would have expected or saw back in the mm -hmm. 80s. You know, we want to experience that. Obviously, the trailers are cut way different than they are today. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I, I, you know, obviously we saw Keaton. We have Keaton... In one of our first movies we did, you know, second or third movies we did for, uh, 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 I'm blanking on Night the name. Night Shift. Night Shift, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
for Night Shift where, you know, yeah, he was a comedic actor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and they, they needed to sell him. I, I, I love that story. I, I, I read about that, too. There's a lot of great trivia on this movie. Um, yeah. I, so I'd seen this movie, but I haven't seen it since my childhood, for sure. Um, a year, I mean, it's probably been 20 years since I've seen it. Yeah, I, this was one of my favorite movies growing up. Um, hmm. Batman is, like, my absolute favorite uh, superhero. Um, so I used to watch this and Batman Returns all the time. Um, which Batman Returns is also a great movie. Like, way darker than this one, but <laughs> still really great. Um, uh, so, yeah, but, I mean, there was probably a good, like... 10 to 15 year gap since the last time I, I watched it. Um, but I, th- I think I watched it maybe in 2020, like during COVID, uh, mm. I got the, uh, they released the like, uh, ultra HD, uh, pack of like all the Batman movies. So I, I picked that up to, to watch oh, nice. while we were in quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> did you, did you actually watch it on disc or did you stream it? Uh, this time I streamed it because I was lazy and didn't want to go to the basement. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I streamed it on HBO max. Yeah. Uh, and it's in 4k on HBO. Yep. And it looked awesome. Yeah. It looks really good. Yeah. Um, you know, again, I hadn't seen this movie in a long time. It, it's good. It's not great. In my opinion, um, what are your I'll thoughts? Dis- so, <laughs> I disagree a little bit, um, and I'll—I I, kind of want to save it for the end. Um, okay. But this this movie is incredibly uh, culturally important, um, and I think. Well, I, I want to hear your criticisms first. Uh, I mean, again, I like it. I don't love it. I think it's good. I don't think it's great. Um, I don't know. I just, it was kind of boring. It's not, okay. I wasn't, it was a little boring to me. I mean, also I watched it kind of late at night and uh, I watched it last night, in fact. And I don't know. It just, it didn't, didn't pull me in as I wanted it to. I Maybe I kind of hyped it up a little bit too much and I sometimes will do that with movies where I hype them up too much and then they just don't meet my expectations because I hadn't seen this movie in so long and I was looking Mm -hmm. forward to watching it I mean there's a lot of awesome stuff in it though and Jack Nicholson's freaking awesome in it Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know Kim Basinger's so bland in this movie and (laughs) Keaton's cool and I don't know I like Jack Nicholson steals the show for me and like all the other background characters like Harvey Dent does nothing and um, Grissom, Jack Palance's character does nothing. I don't know. There's just a lot of randomness in the movie in my opinion, but also mm-hmm. think in my, I mean, this is why we're doing this with the eighties movies. Think what we have, you know, we've got Batman begins, we've got dark Knight, we've got dark Knight rises and they're just, they're so grounded. This movie's, kind of goofy and it's supposed to be very comic book goofy and maybe i just didn't remember that as much uh and in this this viewing 
Yeah. So the the uh, the so I might as well just respond fully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, uh, I have a lot to talk about too. So just go right in. Yeah. So um, the reason, and like, I would even go so far as to say that this might be the most cultural culturally important movie that we ever cover on the show um whoa especially given the current climate of movies uh because this movie set the tone for all comic book movies going forward before this um you had several dc superheroes in particular were very uh, well-known like Wonder Woman, Superman, um, obviously Batman. Um, but they were all very campy and like, um, you know, kapow punch people in the face, like, uh, sixties kind of like pop art kind of stuff. Um, where this was the first time that they, one took a more serious tone um, though I will agree that there is a little bit of campiness to the movie, and um, yeah. I think it's it's probably primarily because uh, they probably didn't want to disturb <laughs> the audience too much because this is a, a stark tone uh, shift in and of itself. Um, and I'll get to like Jack Nicholson's performance specifically in a minute, but. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they they took a very uh, dark and serious tone with this movie compared to the source material and things that had come before. Um, and a lot of that is actually owed to the, the Batman comics that were coming out in the 80s. Um, a big inspiration for this movie was The Killing Joke, uh, which is a fantastic story um, written by... Alan Moore, who also wrote Watchmen, um, and a few other uh, culturally important uh, and and very um, much more in the realm of graphic novel than comic book, um, like From Hell, uh, the Jack the Ripper comic, which is like as thick as the Bible. It's huge, <laughs> um, and then. Uh, uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is another really big one. Uh, and there was a movie, hmm. I think, with Sean Connery at some point yeah, in the 2000s. I never saw it. Um, but uh, and Alan Moore actually hates the killing joke and he regrets, says he regrets writing it. But it's one of the like most hmm. uh, iconic Batman stories. Um, and then the other one that really, really shifted... Uh, even the comics into a darker serious tone is the dark Knight returns written by Frank Miller who wrote yeah. Sin city and, um, a long run on daredevil, I think in the late seventies and early eighties. Um, and he's known for these like really brutal, bloody, like dark crime kind of, uh, uh, stories. Um, and, uh, the dark Knight returns is one of the first times where, um, one, uh, has a lot of, um, explicit violence and like bloody violence. And two, one of the first times that Batman openly 
thinks about murdering the Joker, um, which is fairly significant in in the comic um, in the comic like canon uh, uh, for Batman, um, which ties into this movie because uh, it's a early on in the movie, you know, he does a good job of just, you know, beating people up, but near the end of the movie, he's killing people. Um, yeah. <laughs> pretty, I was pretty surprised by that. Okay. Yeah. Kicks a guy, um, which kicks a guy down that like bell housing <laughs> shaft. Well, when he blows up Axis chemical, there's like 20 people standing around the Batmobile and he drops like <laughs> explosives <laughs> right in front of them. And the whole building <laughs> goes up in flames. So those guys yeah. are definitely toast. Um, <laughs> And obviously Jack Nicholson's Joker dies. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, um, again, this is like, uh, um, they're pushing, I think they were pushing the envelope, um, on, on what kind of, uh, material they could get away with. Um, particularly, um, in that in that vein of like more dark, serious kind of uh, th- thematic elements and things like that, um, this is also like I think what kind of set the tone for this like uh, what would become a staple of Batman is like the psychological elements of not only Bruce Wayne Batman um, but also his villains, um, where like. Uh, the Joker, I think, historically was, <clears throat> especially in like the Adam West TV show, is just like a goofy clown guy. Um, where in this, he's much more of like a so- sociopath or a psychopath um, who yeah. like snaps. Um, and that that's you know, uh, influenced all the way up to Heath Ledger and you know beyond. Um, in their in you know more recent portrayals of the Joker, yeah, um, you've you've read the comics, yeah, yeah. Okay, see, I've never read the comics. I've you know I'm a Batman fan, but I'm not. I feel like everyone's such a fanboy or fangirl. Like everyone's yeah, so, just obsessed with it. So that's another interesting thing. Is before this movie, Superman was by far and away the number one superhero in America. Like yeah. anybody, you ask them what's who's your favorite superhero, they would say Superman. After this came out, it like overnight switched to Batman. Um, yeah, it's pretty crazy because this broke the record from the Superman movie too. Yeah, it's highest grossing yep. super uh, superhero film. Yeah, and uh, the the summer of this release, um, a lot of people pr- refer to it as Batmania. Um, so like they, they had a huge merchandise tie-in to this movie, and it was like, I, I can't remember what the figure was. It was something like two hundred million dollars in merchandise Jesus. sold, like just in that summer. <laughs> that's you know not even related to movie si- ticket sales. Um, yeah, that's and crazy. Like, uh, yeah, so like it's this was a major turning point for the comic book genre. Um, and I think paved the way for all the Marvel movies that have come out, all the DC movies that have come out. 
Um, it's like I without a movie like this, I don't think they you could have even gotten away with a movie like Iron Man, which is actually kind of fairly serious uh, tonal material, you know, yeah. where he's he's basically a weapons dealer, and, you know, <laughs> decides to you know create a yeah. a suit to fight crime, um, but like. Yeah, so I that I I think um the the importance of this movie um makes up for a little bit of the camp. Um Okay. I'm kind of excuse it a little bit because uh I see that. <laughs> I get your point. But I also think I think there's a a good point you brought up and uh that's maybe what I was trying to get across earlier, but uh the casting, the negative reaction to casting of Keaton. If you think about it, there's been negative reaction to casting for almost every, almost Batman. every, yeah, every <laughs> Batman and Joker too. Mm-hmm. Like, if you think about it, like when you know uh, Heath Ledger was announced, everyone's like, "What the fuck?" And then when Ben Affleck was announced as Batman, you know, he he got a lot of uh, you know flack for that and he was the best part of those movies. And yeah. I would argue that he, and this is you know probably another topic, but I'd argue that he is the most, and again, I haven't read the comic books, he's the most comically, comic book accurate Batman. Uh, yeah, I Look, agree. Looking-wise, looking-wise, <clears throat> stature-wise. Because he yeah, was at, yoked Affleck is and like... my favorite Batman. Um, oh, wow. One, because uh, he's portrayed as like this big kind of um, hulking figure, which is yeah, the way Frank Miller depicts him in The Dark Knight Returns. Um, two, he beats the absolute shit out of people, which is what Batman does in like all of my <laughs> favorite comics. Um, and three, he's he's not just like big and strong, but he's incredibly like fast and agile, which is also what Batman is supposed to be. Um, yeah, which like. You know, it took from 89 until whatever that was, like 2016, to get a Batman that was actually fast and, like, nimble. Um, Because, obviously, Keaton is kind of like a robot because of the costume. It's because of the costume. And, oh, yeah. it's I love... I literally was laughing out loud at that, where he's just like, the helicopter goes by and he's just like... Like, just the way he looks. Like, he can't... It's like when you, you know, in our age now, we're starting to get older where we have, you know, pains and aches and stuff, and when you sleep on your neck wrong and you fucking, you can't turn your your neck, so you have to turn your whole body. That's literally what it's like. Yeah. And, I mean, it makes sense. That's the suit. Yeah. And, like, it, it, that's, um... Unfortunately, I think that the limitations of this suit in, in the 89 Batman movie kind of created this, uh this uh, expectation that Batman is like a slow reactionary fighter um, versus like an offensive aggressive fighter the way that Ben Affleck's is in, in yeah. the, in the later movies, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, one big thing that did stand out to me that I loved in the movie is the set decoration. Absolutely, and it, it was yeah. the first Batman movie to win an Academy award for it which is really cool. I mean, you know, Tim Burton, all his movies always have really good set decoration and set design. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but this movie that that stood out to me upon this viewing is like especially like Grissom's office and like the courthouse and all, just every bit of it was was really cool and really well done in my opinion. Yeah, and like um I was reading up about it um cuz it, it is super interesting and I I can't remember who it was but somebody like some film critic uh called Gotham City in this movie as like a main character because it has so much impact in like tonally in the movie. Um and uh the the set designer is actually um you know when Burton was kind of like, you know, this is what I'm thinking. I want it to be kind of a dark, dingy kind of city. Um, so what the set designer <laughs> kind of said later on was that they just picked, like, all the worst aspects of the ugliest architecture styles and <laughs> just kind of, like, crammed That's them cool. all together into this, like, cityscape. Um, so, like, you get a lot of re really weird juxtapositions where there's, like, this, like, hard cold industrial kind of style right next to these like giant like uh, almost like fascist style uh like architecture like particularly the uh city hall is this mm -hmm. like big flat like massive monumental building and they they even go further in batman returns where they have these like giant statues of like guys with like pulling levers and stuff like in like the public works building and like <laughs> they like do these like very uh just very over the top but um like imposing kind of like architectural sets um and it really really adds to the like darkness of gotham city i think yeah i agree it's all also, the, the time period is very, you know, it's not ambiguous. And, yeah, it's very yeah. ambiguous. And it's like, everyone. it almost feels like the 1940s, but then you look at all the cars and they're like 70s-ish, almost 80s. And yeah. I don't know, it's really cool. Like everyone's in a suit or a dress. Like there's no one that's down-dressed or mm -hmm. like in basic clothing ever in the entire right. movie, I feel like, which is really cool. Um that that was definitely one of my favorite parts of it too. Yeah, even like the homeless people are in like blazer, like ratty blazers and stuff. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> it's not. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, like it's um. Yeah, I I, I want to say I read that that Burton's idea was to kind of put it in like a timeless kind of. Uh, yeah. setting so that it's it are, is hard to discern exactly yes. when it is and what's going on um and like they they kind of did that with uh the batmobile design as well um mm -hmm. where it's got the the big like bat flare like wings on the back that's like kind of like a cool like 60s 70s like retro like fin or like even 50s Cadillac like with fin the shark fins and stuff thing. yeah um, yeah but then it's got a you know airplane jet engine that's powering it, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. like uh, very like aggressive styling and like the rest of the the body. Um, so yeah, just like very uh, lots of like mashups of style um, to kind of create yeah. like its own like eclectic kind of like uh, style into the film, which is really cool. Yeah, it helps it helps define its setting even though it's undefinable, which is cool. Yep.
Um, you know, going back to me saying it's kind of boring, I, you know, I read that shortly after completing the movie that Tim Burton said he's like, uh, I like parts of it, but the whole movie is mainly boring to me. <laughs> it's okay, but it was more of a cultural phenomenon than a great movie. So, I think, and he said as time has distanced him, he's he's also he's he's grown to like it more just as time has gone by because the production was very stressful for him. But mm-hmm. he, it's exactly like how I feel about it. It's it's you know I liked parts of it, but it's it was a little boring to me. But I get a whole cultural significance, especially with you you know dissecting it in that in that in that way yeah you know i think the um one of the drivers behind that i think could be that after this it even you can even see it more in batman returns uh it shifts more towards action where this is almost more of a drama um, and like as you go further along in time, they become much, much more action focused. Um, I would argue up until the recent uh, Batman movie that Matt Reeves directed, um, which is almost like a noir crime thriller more than your like normal comic book action movie. Um, yeah. which is kind of a cool departure. Um, which th- this this movie was as well. Yeah, I mean it. it you know, it, like you said, cultural phenomenon, and it's it made a lot of money. Um, yep. It grossed forty million domestically in its open opening weekend, which at the time was the biggest opening of all time. Uh, which is crazy because, like, literally a week prior, Ghostbusters two came out and set the record, and then this <laughs> beat it. Um, which is cool, uh, but and this this movie set the industry standard of basing a film's success on its opening weekend gross, mm. which is crazy. So, yeah, I, from a business standpoint, this movie has definitely definitely paved a way for Hollywood too because of that. Like that's crazy. I mean, think about it. A movie doesn't make any money on its opening weekend; it's deemed a failure. Right. So. Um, and domestically, is, this movie was the highest grossing um, worldwide. It came only second to Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Were you and, uh, one of the other things, so on the topic of um, you know, uh, box office opening weekend, you know, uh, being the uh, success or fail, you know, metric. Um, mm-hmm this movie also set the standard for quick to video uh, transitions from theaters to, uh, in this case, VHS, um, where the VHS came out in November, the movie was released in June, um, which is, what, like six months? (laughs) Um, Where, like, normally you'd have theatrical release, then they would go to a secondary theatrical release at like cheaper theaters. And then maybe like a year later you'd get like video. Um, yeah. Or this just completely cut out that secondary screening release. 
um, and went went to video rather quickly. And a lot of people actually attribute this movie to the decline of that like secondary theater market um, hmm. because they accelerated video release so by such a large factor, uh, which is pretty interesting. Very. I I owned that VHS of Batman. I'm you had sure it on LaserDisc. Yeah, you had everything on LaserDisc. <laughs> but yeah, the VHS was cool. My my cut like the case was like kind of ratty because I feel mm-hmm. like it was u- like used a lot or w- yeah. watched a lot. Um, but the cover was cool. I remember it being really cool and like the orangish kind of Batman symbol. Yeah, um, almost looked like the Warner Brothers logo a little bit mm-hmm. color wise. Um, but this movie is also considered the last true blockbuster movie to be made without any significant CGI effects. All mm. the visual effects are achieved by either matte shots, uh, model effects, miniatures, or animation, mm. which is pretty interesting. Yeah. So yeah, there, there's one or two times where you can tell that it's animated. Um, right in the beginning, uh, there's a shot, I believe. Uh, it's when the family gets robbed in the alley, um, and the the wife screams, and it goes to a shot like above a building, looking down at the city. You can see Batman standing on the balcony, and he turns around and whips his cape, yeah. and that's clearly like animated. Um, yeah, but like that was more than likely um, either a model of of that building, or it was a really well painted like uh you know animation frame yeah um another thing like this movie has a lot of it's it's crazy because this there's a lot of declines of things because of this movie and sylvester stallone stated that the film this film is what led to the decline of muscle-bound action stars from the 80s and changed how action films are made that's really interesting yeah so, you know, it's, yeah, because if you think about it, the 90s wasn't about, it's all the 80s was about, you know, muscle-bound people killing a bunch of dudes. Yeah. <laughs> I, and, I'd uh, argue that Die Hard set that standard, um, which was the year before, right? 88, 87? Yeah. Or 88, 88. yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Keaton is not an imposing figure <laughs> in this movie. No. Um, and like, there were a few different tricks they had to do to make him look imposing in in the bat suit. Um, one thing they elongated the head quite a bit to make him look <laughs> a bit taller. Um, yeah. I, I think him and uh, some of the other actors never actually stand side by side because he's not that tall. Um, yeah. He's like five ten, five eleven. Yeah, he's not short, but he's not like you know, Impo- as you tall know imposing as, six yeah. six foot plus. Whatever uh, guy lies about on their dating profile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. This you know, there's some funny you know, a lot of people thought because Keaton was in it that it was gonna be comedic. There are some funny parts to this movie in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, there's um, a couple good one liners um that even Keaton, you know, uh, delivers like Jack yeah. Nicholson. Um, it, we should talk about Jack Nicholson because he, yeah, he is pretty phenomenal in this movie. Um, but yeah. his portrayal, of the Joker is, um, 
like half and half past and what would become like the future of the Joker where, you know, he does all these like campy kind of gags, like the teeth, you know, the chattering teeth coming out of his mouth and I love that. Uh, the flower spraying acid and um, the punch, the boxing glove punching the TV yeah, when he was boxing mad glove, uh, the electric handshake thing that he turns that guy into a skeleton. <laughs> I love that. That um, scene's and, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but at the same time, he does a good job of portraying the Joker as a complete psychopath. Um, 100%. Who's, like, off the rails, um, which is very different from the way the Joker had been portrayed in the past and is much more in line with the comic book depictions of that time. Yeah, Jack Nicholson said that what made the Joker role one of his favorites ever was that it allowed him so much creative freedom. He's like, well, they, you know, most character roles have specific traits to an actor that they have to stay true to. The Joker's specific trait is that he's unpredictable. And so he was able to do whatever the hell he wanted. Um, and he, he's basically like, Joker's mentality is a man that's plunged into nuclear waste and comes out this other identity. So my simple thought on him was this guy is short wired. <laughs> it's just like mm-hmm. simple. Like the guy guy went in nuclear waste and now he's fucked up. And so I don't know, it's it's cool. I mean he definitely he you yeah, he definitely set the tone for future portrayals of the Joker for sure. Yeah. And it, the I love the first time that you see him as a Joker when he like walks fully? into Yeah, when he walks yeah. into um Chris's office yeah. and uh you know he uh it basically is gonna kill him um you know it's like you see it coming um yeah it's really cool it's a great he scene. shoots him you know like uh like he would have before the accident and then he just starts doing all these goofy like around the back <laughs> shots and like yeah. Super, like, you know, uh, over-exaggerated, yeah, over like, poses yeah. and stuff. And it's mm-hmm. it's such a good contrast to his, like, first, you know, car- incarnation and then the Joker incarnation. Um, yeah. Yeah, just really, really well done. Um, and uh, I also love the uh, wait till they get a load of me line. Yeah, he's got it's a lot like, of great lines his, for sure. His face is just perfect in the, in that yeah. scene. Well, he's so menacing in his eyebrows, and then the fact that you got his his cheekbones all messed up, or like his smile mm-hmm. on his face is great. Uh, I mean, you know, we just did The Shining with him, and he's menacing in that, and it's just yeah. like this is an, it's a perfect follow up movie to that because he's just crazy and he plays a psychopath yeah. well, um, yeah. like we were talking about in The Shining. Uh, review last time or the Shining episode is that uh, 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 Stephen King didn't want Nicholson because he's too menacing looking and it's like Mm -hmm. he's perfect for this role Um, Yeah, I I think he has the best Joker laugh yes and that's another thing I was going to say is (laughs) that the Joker laugh is so iconic and everyone tries to put their own spin on it because Mm -hmm. of him which is cool yeah, yeah. It's um, uh, 
him and uh, Mark Hamill, who does the animated Joker, yeah. are like two of the best. Um, they're they're fairly similar, but you know, a little, little bit different. But definitely that like, um, they kind of set that like maniacal kind of tone into it, um, and like just the like unhinged uncontrollability <laughs> you know in it yeah. uh, is is just yeah it's so great yeah um nicholson took a little bit less for a salary for this movie but he received a percentage of the gross and because mm-hmm. the movie was such a hit he took home like 60 million and that was in 89 I... in the 80s which is insane like I read, for inflation, it's I read like it could have been north million. of like ninety million at the time. Oh depending wow! Okay, on, so depending on like certain certain math, so yeah, he uh, yeah, he it's made insane. Out he big time. <laughs> made out like a bandit for sure. Yeah, um, and he got yeah. top billing. <laughs> yeah, uh, and he's you know he's he's known to be kind of a, a playboy and has particulars with. Uh, coming to set and and stuff like that. So I read that he had such a strict schedule stipulated into his contract <laughs> that his casting call had to be uh, later than everyone else, pretty much on mm-hmm. set. And he was known to have like late evenings just because he was kind of a party animal. Um, and he also dined out every night and would attend parties all the time. Keaton would arrive early in the morning. Nicholson would come in at like 10 a.m. And... Apparently, from what Keaton said, is that when Nicholson would arrive, he just would sit down in his chair, tilt his head back, fall asleep immediately, and then the makeup artist would work on him, which is hilarious. <laughs> I love that. I, I I also read that he had a stipulation in his contract that he got filming days off if there were Laker home games. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's, he's a big basketball fan, especially yeah. a Laker fan, and it's... Keaton also said that the crew would tape basketball games for Nicholson and he would come and watch him the next day while his makeup was being added. And one day, uh, Jack was so frustrated that no game was on. He turned on the only sports that was available and it was a dart game. It was like a dart championship. (laughs) And then the next day, uh, Jack passed Michael on set and looked back at him and asked, how about that dart game? to which they both burst out laughing, which is awesome. (laughs) So good camaraderie from them, which is cool. And just, you know, it seems like he's very particular. Uh, But a lot of people say he's uh, awesome. I wonder if that was the day that they shot the scene where he throws the pen into the guy's neck. (laughs) Got some inspiration from it. Yeah, Yeah. That's a cool scene. It is Um, a cool scene. Speaking of that, he's got this... This movie and version of the Joker has the highest kill count for any Joker. Yeah, it's it's not surprising. Um, yeah, because yeah, he uh, that that's the other aspect of of this version of the Joker that I wanted to talk about. Um, in film, this is the first time that the Joker is portrayed uh, more like a terrorist than just a like you know crazy like um, criminal. Um, yeah, because like a lot of the <clears throat> the plots that uh, Nicholson executes in this movie are these like big, elaborate 
kind of uh, like they're basically terrorist attacks um, where you know him and his goons show up to that press conference and start shooting you know at <laughs> civilians he murders yeah. that guy right in front of the courthouse um, and then yeah. he drives away uh, they you know destroy the art museum uh, he puts that parade together and tries to gas everybody to death <laughs> you know like it's um, yeah. very large and elaborate kind of crimes rather than just like a bank robbery or like whatever, which the Joker used to be more of just like a common criminal with like a gimmick um, where this kind of transformed it in the larger public eye to this like maniacal kind of larger than life kind of uh, criminal mastermind almost. Agreed. And that's maybe that's where I disconnected a little bit with the movie because it's like, there's no the cops are so dumb in this movie they do nothing (laughs) and like even commissioner gordon is so pointless in this movie Mm -hmm. um uh, that that took me out of it a little bit where there's no cops uh for a lot of the scenes like even with the float like he announces on tv that he's going to you know give out a ton of money on this float and like cops aren't like what the fuck you know (laughs) so i mean it is a movie and you got to suspend some disbelief i'm a key proponent of doing that, but I, it just, it's a thought that came to my head and I was like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Like um, a, a common thread throughout like Batman, like lore and, and Canon is that like the police are either unbelievably inept or, uh, they're, they're also criminals and corrupt. Um, yes. and just kind of let things happen. Um, yeah, which is why Batman needs to exist um, a lot yeah. of the times in the, in the comics and, and source materials, you know. Makes sense. Yeah. So I mean, that's the whole plot, if you will. He's fighting crime because there's right. so much corruption. Uh, but I see where Dark Knight gets a lot of its inspiration from this movie. Mm-hmm. You can see a yeah. lot of inspiration from it, which is cool. And obviously, future Batman movies. And what's cool is I read that. Keaton, who's like a, he's a logic freak, he was so concerned with Batman's secret identity and that it would be mm-hmm. easy to uncover that he decided to you perform, perform the voice, the Batman voice, at a little lower register than Bruce Wayne's normal voice to, mm-hmm. you know, try and hide his identity. And that's become a staple in the entire franchise, you know, in the entire series, if you will. Yep. So, um, I mean, I think that's cool. And, I mean... I didn't pick up on it a ton in this movie because he sounds very similar <laughs> mm-hmm. versus, you know, obviously maybe I was expecting like the Christian Bale version where he's like, where is he? You know, like that <laughs> kind of crazy. And sorry, headphone listeners, if that just blew you up, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, it's, that's what happens. <laughs> um, but you know, the bat suit's super cool. Uh, apparently Keaton said that he's kind of claustrophobic and the claustrophobia helped put him in the proper mood to play Batman because he's kind of a loner and, and you know, made him, it made him go inward and that's how he wanted the character to be portrayed, which is super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of, lot of cool stuff about the movie. You know, again, I, I know I kind of ragged on it a little bit, but um, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's good, all right? I'm sure I'm going to get shit for this, but <laughs> it's... 
<laughs> but it's good. It's not amazing. Uh, again, I mean, us growing up with the other Batman movies, they they are better. To be well, honest, yeah, in my I, opinion, that, yeah. Compared, if you compare this to the Dark Knight, and maybe I shouldn't. Not, yeah, it's 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 obviously not as good as the Dark Knight or Batman Begins. Yeah. Um, or, you know, any of the other uh, later ones discount uh, everything after uh, Batman Returns in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. I I don't mind those. They are so goofy. And, I mean, I love anything with Schwarzenegger and Mr. Freeze. Him as Mr. Freeze and all his one-liners are so awesome. Um, <laughs> but I also, hot take here, I think I love The Dark Knight, but I also think it's overrated. I think I love Christopher Nolan. I think a lot of his movies are overrated. Um, and I'll, I'm sure I'll get shit for that, too. And I love all of his... I love all of his movies. But he is... Uh, there's some overratedness to his movies. Like Oppenheimer recently, overrated. It was great. It's a movie I'll watch once or twice in my lifetime. That's it. Mm-hmm. I want a movie that's going to be an instant classic that's on repeat. Mm-hmm. That's just my opinion. Uh, like Inception. Yeah. Interstellar. Those are cl- those are classics, yeah. um, but you know that's maybe a, a, another another podcast. I could talk about that all day. Yeah, they, I I uh, I think the Dark Knight is incredibly good. I think it's um, it's also incredibly important because it really pushed the um, superhero genre. For the sure. superhero genre for sure and then also uh the the like it even went further into like the psychological aspects of the batman universe um yeah and it, especially into set the stage for like bruce wayne's own like psychological examination um in like a really really cool and interesting way um, that was explored in the comics for a very long time, but had not really been touched in film. Um, yeah. And I think they really did an excellent job with that in Batman vs. Superman, uh, which is my personal favorite Batman movie. Um, Whoa. Because I love Ben Affleck's Batman. <laughs> he is awesome. He is awesome. And to clarify, Batman for me is is like a 3.5 out of 5. So it's not it's not low, it's high. You, know, you could call that a seven out of ten. Yeah. Dark Knight is like a four and a half out of five for me. It's a nine. It's a nine out of ten. So mm-hmm. it's they're still good movies. Um yeah, I, I'm glad we watched this and oh we gotta talk about the thirty fifth anniversary or so you thought. Oh yeah. So yeah, last <laughs> episode I claimed it was the thirty fifth anniversary. Um so our math our math on this show has been awful. Just as a heads up. (laughs) I just trusted what I saw. So I swear, I swear to God, I saw, uh, well, what, because I texted you about it, I think right after we watched Reanimator, I I said, oh, it's Batman's 35th anniversary. We should do that after The Shining. Because I saw an Instagram post from either Batman's the Batman account or the DC Comics account that said it was. So I went back and tried to find it and it doesn't it's not there. So I think they I blame them. I think they <laughs> fucked up and they deleted the post and made me look like an idiot. So and yeah, I didn't check next the year. because I'm not, I'm not that 
I'm not that. Uh, I wasn't too worried about checking the math. So yeah, it is not the 35th anniversary this year. <laughs> well, it's funny because like when you texted me, I was like, sure. Like I didn't even look at it or think about it. And then, you know, obviously it's Batman too. Like I'll I'll do the movie any day. Like that's totally yeah. fine. And then when you were saying it in the Shining podcast, I was just like. Wait a second, it came out in 89. That math does not add up at all. No, it doesn't. <laughs> so, well, here we are. We did it anyway. I'm glad we did it. And yeah. uh, it's, yeah, I, I, it's it's worth a rewatch. Uh, I will admit it's worth a rewatch um, if you haven't watched it in a long time, like me. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the one thing we haven't touched on is the score. Danny Elfman's yes. Yes. score is unbelievable. Yeah, it's it is so, so good. good. It absolutely set the precedent for like everything that makes you think of Batman like today. Um, yeah. If you don't hear Danny Elfman's score when you think of Batman, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. And what's crazy is like they were like the studio was weary of of him because he was a newer composer uh, yeah. for the. <clears throat> To the industry and when they heard his theme they were just like okay this is awesome yeah which i had no idea that he was in like a um i don't even know what you would call it like a post-punk synth wave new wave band really <laughs> Before he i didn't know that even composer oh yeah, that's cool uh, i want to say it was oingo boingo yeah, that sounds familiar. Actually, in the early like, 80s. when I was reading, they they yeah. have a famous song um, that I can't huh. remember off the top of my head. Nice. Um, oh, uh, their har- highest charting song is "Weird Science." Hmm. I wonder if that because there's a movie, an 80s movie called "Weird Science," which we need to watch. Yeah, I don't know if it's related to that or not, but <clears throat> yeah, yeah. What I mean, because like Elfman is. Uh, he has a very distinctive kind of style. Um, and obviously he works with Tim Burton all the time. Um, and like he's, he's in my opinion, probably one of the most iconic composers, um, alongside like Hans Zimmer and, um, John Williams, John Williams. Um, yeah. Yeah. When I, when I saw that he was in like a synth wave band, I was like, what the (laughs) It's like that's so that's random. Awesome. That's also very eighties. It is, is cool. extremely eighties. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, uh, I think that's a lot of trivia for for one podcast and a lot of <laughs> yeah. a lot of fun. Uh, this was a great great episode uh, to do for us, and uh, we hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah, it's a nice uh, blast from the past, going back to childhood. So yeah, it was definitely. A good one. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. We'll catch you on our next video and podcast. All right.